Making sure you and your loved ones can live comfortably in the future starts with choices you make today. At RBC Wealth Management, they can help you make the right choices in using the assets you've built up over a lifetime. Whether it's leaving something for your loved ones, enjoying your own retirement, or giving to a favorite charity, RBC Wealth Management will help you plan for the coming years and the coming generations. Call the Quigley Group at the Eau Claire office of RBC Wealth Management at 715-858-7788 to see how they can help. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Welcome to Eau Claire is Here, your place to find out a little bit more about the people, places, and happenings going on in the best little city in Wisconsin. Eau Claire is Here is brought to you by Ned Donilon, Donilon Real Estate. And now your hosts, Jane Seymour Kunick, Scott Kunick, and Jerry Annis. Good morning, good day people, Jerry Annis here. Welcome to another podcast of Eau Claire is Here, and you should be too. This is my colleague, Jane. Yes. We are right now driving around downtown Eau Claire. Why? In the spirit of Roy Hoff. We did a little interview with him and uh, found it very interesting, all the videos he took over the years. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, Scott did a great job interviewing Roy. It's interesting and it's neat to see those videos and how the town has changed. But when I think of Roy Hoff, and he's been taking videos just driving around in his car for 40 years. I know, it's you know, so cool. For him to have that vision and to think that someone might want to take a look at it and see it. Well, uh, I think it started out by him wanting to make sure his kids, grandkids saw things that he saw. I don't think he thought all of a sudden it would become on Facebook. <laughs> he probably didn't have that vision, but he has, um, I don't know, how many followers? Oh, yeah. His his Facebook page is Our Old Town Eau Claire. So it's on Facebook, and when I checked this morning, there's over 21,000 followers. Awesome. Um, yeah. And so if you haven't checked it out, check it out. Yeah, Cause it's, it's Especially cool. if you're from Eau Claire, it's so fun to watch. Yeah the videos. Yeah, he has over a thousand videos of when he took those over the 40 years and probably 10 times as many photos. And what's what's cool with the Facebook page is now people are going on and saying, hey, what about that old restaurant? Where was that? Yeah. What was here? And that's really neat. You know, I've looked at some of those videos and it's neat to see the transformation of our city. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I always say, you know, being a realtor, I'm always proud to drive people through our city and, and show them things. And especially, you know, when you get down here, um, how much has been improved and, and restored and, you know, just gives us a lot to offer to people who are thinking about moving to Eau Claire. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, we'll go left and yeah, the new Pablo Center and the apartments. Yeah, we're in downtown Eau Claire now. See, and we have three people helping us with that. He just had himself. Yeah. And well. he would tape the the video to the dash. <laughs> well, he, 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 I mean, Aiden, you're, you're videoing us this morning on a phone. Roy, when he started in 1983, 
he had mounted on his dashboard a big old home video mm -hmm. recorder and it ran through the car into the trunk where he had a 22 pound VCR. So he was recording and there was no battery. So in his trunk, he had a gas generator going <laughs> to keep everything moving. And I looked at some videos and I think I saw you in one. You probably did because <laughs> unlike my children, we walked everywhere. <laughs> I know. Well, I know it was on Graham Street or Barstow. And I'm like, I think that's Jean. And you walked out in front of the car and you said, hey, mister, your trunk smoking, <laughs> which was his generator. So, uh, No, speaking of driving down, like we're on Graham Avenue right now. And I still struggle with driving the opposite way on Graham because when we grew up, this was a one-way street. Mm -hmm. And so I always feel a little like I'm committing a crime coming the opposite well, way. Well, you're, you're always in that gray area anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it's a great podcast. And if you haven't gone to that Facebook page, we encourage you to do so. But it's it's beautiful. It's a, it's a great collection of memorabilia and history. And I think the other thing that I noticed you know, what is so addicting about those videos when you look at them and, well, just see where he's going and then you sit there and then you start to notice the cars and the people and the music that he has on the radio and just how things have changed over four decades. Right. So that adds a lot to the to the videos, just seeing the cars uh -huh. and, and people. But we'll send it over to Scott so you guys can listen to Scott's interview with Roy Hoff. Well, I'm happy to be here with Roy Hoff Sr. I'm really glad for you to join us. Thanks for being here. Roy has been on Volume 1, had some interviews on the TV stations for his, uh, all the videos in history. Uh, he used to do a TV channel. Uh, he'll tell us all about it, that he has a Facebook page, Our Old Town Eau Claire. Our Old Town Eau Claire. We'll check that out for all things Eau Claire and the history He's like a walking encyclopedia or history book. He knows pretty much everything about this town. There's and over 20,000 photos on that site. Wow. And 1,100 videos. That's incredible. Well, why don't you tell us how you got so passionate about and why um, you started recording? Who, in, you know, who are you? Where are you from? Well, or how I did you get here? I came from the city. I was born in Eau Claire, and that's where I am today. So I stayed in this area all my life. I saw the city change, and I wanted to save part of my world, so I made my videos. That when you have children, you got to see a different aspect of the city that they saw. And part of that you had mentioned earlier was due to some loss in vision. Well, I have a vision impairment, so you tried to save a world in case someday you don't have your sight anymore. And in my book, I talk about that actually happening. I became temporarily blind for a short period of time, and I don't know why. So then after that, I started making my videos to save the world I saw, that the children could see the world I was in if I wasn't there to show them. But then I went on from there, and I started figuring out how to take a camera and drive around the city with it. So you made the first early of a dash cam without a dash cam. You made it out of individual pieces. And I think those are the biggest videos people enjoy because it takes them back to the time before they were born. Because some of these videos are made as early as 1984. So they're not recent. Some go back 35 years or more. So what gave you the idea to record uh, 
in the car specifically? Was it just because you wanted to capture well, the roads and? Well, I wanted to do something different people weren't even doing, so I created my own version to making a dash cam. I had a power generator running on gasoline in the trunk of the car, and you had to have a fan to vent the ventilation, otherwise you end up with a carbon monoxide issue. So you had to develop a system to get around that. Then you used a home VCR in the front seat. I didn't have $2,000 to buy a camcorder back then, so I could do it less by using cheaper pieces, and that's what I did. That led you to, so you well, had a TV channel then too at one point well, I on had public a program, access? I had a program on public access in Eau Claire, or CTV today, community television. And I did that because my videos were, I had enough of them, I started making a TV show about early 1990s. Then I made 557 episodes of one my show and then about 505 Q Jr which has to do with my son, because I put him in the, as a main actor in the, in the series. And he'd come on and show some cartoons, and then he'd talk in front of the camera and show his toys. That's a, an, an item. And that was the only kid show on at the current time because Sheriff Bob went off years ago. Wow. So it was kind of the only local kid show you had. And you had a daughter, you said, too? My daughter was a sister. She was, she was in some of his shows where she wanted to take control of the show. And in fact, one show I started it without him until he came home from school, and she was already doing part of his show for him. So she blended in real well. It kind of showed the Sybil uh, friendship or Sybil rivalry at times as well. For sure. Because she tried to push him out of the way one time. Right on while uh, we were recording? I was taping it, yeah. The children television program, or QTV, started in the 80s, well, actually in the early 90s. So it was like, Ten years after I made my videos, and I made a public access TV show. My show was about anything in the Oakland area. Okay. Q Jr. was had to do with the mindset of somebody between the age of four to ten. So you had to show a couple cartoons that were public access, or they were public domain cartoons. I couldn't show Mickey Mouse because that's against the law. Right. But I could show Woody Woodpecker because that was around. That's been around for over 35 years, and I could show that one. Hugh Jr. was the child's perspective of the world today. Okay. Very There was a few great. things on Hugh Jr. like the, uh, they had a monster truck show. I was down in Osseo where the, the truck would come along and run over a, a ramp and it'd squish a car. Yeah. Then I have the child walking into the rim of the rear wheel of that truck. He could actually <laughs> walk and sit inside the rim of the wheel. Neat. That was for children. Yeah, yeah, how big, that's to, awesome. To tell the Especially kids people, how big that truck actually is. People probably love that. So they like that one. Yeah. So, and you just did this volunteer, or did no, you? I did it all on my own. I you wanted get, to you ever preserve get paid what or I compensated did. for this? No, I'm not. I didn't get any money for it. No compensation. Nothing. The, the only thing I get is if a book sale, a book is sold, I get something out of that. And uh, I had some assistance from people to. Replace some of the equipment I'm using now, so that I can get my tapes converted. How come the the channel? When did you stop doing that? Was it too much, or you said the kids grew up? Well, I stopped making the public access channel when the, the, the child grew up old enough that he no longer wanted to do the show, which I could see his point. And in my case, it, it was a do that I had to take care of my wife. She was ailing, and, and she had uh, too many medical issues, and she had to go to a nursing home. And then she had to go to assisted living, so it consumed most of my time. So there wasn't time left to make the TV shows. Sure. And I made all my TV shows basically at home. I did not make them at the studio, at, at the public access studio. 
mine were made in the living room or around the house. I had my own system set up in the floor. I think I used uh, 1,200 feet of wiring. So you have kept all these videos? Yeah, I kept 99.9% .9 of them. There's a great article on Volume 1 and that has some of the pictures. I mean, your garage is pretty much full, it looks like. Well, the storage facility <laughs> is full. Okay, so you had to have okay, your storage facility. But was... you got to look at the fact there was like 4,000 VHS tapes, plus the 8 millimeters, and the Betamax is about 100 of those. So the different styles is different versions. 4,000, wow. I looked at my computer file and I've got about 14 terabytes of photos. <laughs> That's quite a few of them. You must have had to be really organized to keep track of well, everything. Oh, if you wanted to find a specific video of a specific thing in a you know, well, specific I wrote my own year. Into, the first 7,000 of them are written in a, a three-ring binder. They're listed by date, the time, how long it takes, and what it was about. There's like 7,000 in a booklet. <laughs> it's incredible to think about. And then I put them on wow. my original computer as well. I had a 1978 version of a Tandy computer and I stuck them on my 5 megabyte hard drive. And that's all you could have back then was 5 megs. You were kind of ahead of your time with, uh, you know, some of this stuff. Well, <laughs> I had, I, I had an early computer, like I say, before 1980. In 1980, my computer was uh, like three, four floppy disk drives, a 5 meg hard drive, and but I only had a black and white screen. So you started from there. Wow. And then the, my wife helped out typing some of the file names into the computer. She typed the names of the videos and I put in the comments and then saved them. So it wasn't only video, you captured photos. it with photos as well, captured when the, Eau Claire. When they rebuilt the Water Street Bridge, I, I used over 2,000 photos to take a picture of that building that bridge. Oh my. I went to Lakeview Cemetery and took 13,850 photos all the headstones. Wow, so what brought you to, I mean, put in all that time energy just because to really enjoy that? Because I was looking that? at my past, the history of the family, this kind of stuff, so I went and tracked the family down through the cemeteries. I found them all. Wow, wow. I think my grandmother's sister's relative, I can go back to Ancestry.com as far back as 150 years B.C. Oh my goodness. It's like 44 levels. It's amazing that you were able to do but that. But in my family, I can go back as about as far as 1100 when one man left Sweden and went into Norway. You have all these pictures too all the pictures. in storage. They're, I think in the last five, six years, I've made 300,000 photos. Just in the last five years? Yep, about five, six years with 300,000 photos. But now, that hopefully, that those were on digital cameras. That's on digital. Oh, that's nice. Because you, got, you took 11,969 out of Forest Hill Cemetery. And Lakeview was, you know, you're talking 13,850. But I had to go to Glencoe, and that was 1,200. So some cemeteries are 1,000, 2,000 photos. Some are over 10,000. It's incredible. So do you work with the Chippewa Valley Museum with well, some I, of the stuff you have? They must value. Well, I have some stuff that we have to discuss later, uh, how they're going to use it, because I can't keep it forever. And I can't see it lost. Speaking of that, I mean, there was some threat of water damage or something, but I think you were able to restore it. You want to um, tell what happened there? I had a house fire in 1990 that risked 
original videotapes, but the fire didn't get down that far, and they happened to save the videotapes. Then 28 years later, I have another case where the house is damaged beyond repair, and that was the, I had many roof leaks, and I had to protect the tape to figure what to, to do with them. No, I didn't have any damage so far out of that yet either. You just got lucky both times. You sure have had your share of challenges. And I think your classmates put together a, a like GoFundMe or crowdfunding. Well, they did that so I could get the equipment I needed to start my duplication to get them to back into digital. Because I didn't have certain parts of the equipment. And another thing that's hard for me to do is find VCRs. And they're hard to get a hold of right now. So I have to go to fifth sales and discount stores and, and second-hand stores trying to find them. Oh, sure. Are you trying to get everything? I'd like to have them all converted, but converted, it's going to yeah. take time. So it's going to take a while, but I have to look at what the key videos are. Right now, people want to see the an ice race on Lake Altoona. I have it, but it's only in analog. Sure. See, they're, they're, they give me messages all the time what they want to see, like the ski sprites down on Half Moon Lake. Well, I do have that. I have the 30th anniversary show, but I believe some of that also is an analog. You have to convert it. And I have old fireworks and old stuff downtown and a parade down on Barstow Street. You have one on First Avenue. Uh, are you recording as much these days? Well, I, during the original start of the COVID-19, I was using 1,000 gigabytes a month. Wow, so... That's a terabyte yes. a month. My goodness. And I, I tried to replace my original videos, driving videos from the 1980s. Tried to recopy the same driving route. So I have an update version. Okay. That's interesting to look at because you see houses that were no longer there back then. And right. they built the town bigger. Some businesses changed as well as the, the road patterns. So all this led into you feeling like, well, now I've got video recording, let's get some written history. And so your books are kind of an uh, autobiographical account of... It's kind of like an autobiographical account of my life growing up. And it's not very pretty in some spots. And other ones, it shows the bright lights. It shows the highlights, low lights, this kind of stuff. And the difficulty I had throughout life. And I started writing my book in 2015. I was writing two, three chapters a day because your mind had too much to tell about. Got that book done in a short time, and then the second book was released on April 2nd of 2019. The second book kept the original names, except the second one's called book number two. So it's got a living with the evidence two. Why'd you come up with that title? Well, because living with the evidence is what I do every day. I have multiple physical issues, and I had to deal with those, and it's the evidence of what happened to me in the past. So I, the book is a truthful statement of living with the evidence is what my body can present as an evidence of what's wrong with it. it, it that's what I'm living with, dealing with that issue. So like the vision uh, Well, I've got a hearing, vision and stuff like that. You, hearing. You, and more than that, you got a bad knee and there's stuff along the line. you got other issues to do with you have to deal with. Per yeah, other personal issues, yeah. And so you, there's about a half a dozen of those. So living with the evidence is a good book title because that's what I do every day. So can you self-publish that? Well I wrote it myself, I edited it myself, I had the spell check and I had let a, a company print it. See you save money that way by doing a lot of stuff yourself, like yeah. editing and uh, lining things up. Once they told me what the 
what their suggested rules were, then I had to change a few things, but it worked real easy. But the book has been, two of them have been published, and they're basically a life story of how I grew and what I did in my world. What, what started the Facebook? How did that get going? I started Facebook back around 2012, or it was before that, but uh, I saw a history, some history from Eau Claire, but the channel was very not dedicated to that reason. They had too many sidelines, they were doing too many other things besides history, so I wanted to keep it mine on one level. So I started my own. It became the best local site there is. That wasn't my intention, but it ended up that way. Some of your the stuff that you've posted, I guess, has been seen uh, by many people. Some like, of those things are like two, three thousand, four thousand, five thousand views. It's quite high. Even my lacrosse video has over five thousand views. Did you've the oldest photo accumulated I have, pictures as well? Not I, I um, have the old photos too. I have like some woman, uh, her husband passed away, and she donated about two books of antique postcards to me. She gave them to me because she felt that I would make use of them versus what she was going to do with them. So once in a while, some people do donate things for that cause. I thought about a YouTube channel that you could put all these videos well, on. Well, I have a YouTube channel as oh, well. Oh, you do? And that's called <clears throat> Our Old Town Eau Claire Arhoff Sr. I put my name at the end of it. I also have a, another place called Local Authors of Eau Claire where I develop my chapters and then people look at it and see if they like it or don't like it and how I, then I change a few things. I posted it on the high school graduation page some unfinished chapters and they, they liked them so I enhanced them then published the enhanced version. It was a stepping stone. Sure. You said the publishers didn't believe you so you had to change? Well, the, when I, my idea was first presented as well as my first original chapters they concluded that some of the stuff they don't quite believe was real. And I said, well, it did happen. Well, they said, well, then we have a problem because what happens if somebody has a familiar name or a match of this, match of that? And get sued. They would have a problem, might get sued because of a comment made. Sure. So I changed a few things around, like the name of the city. I changed the names of the family. I never called my brothers by real names. They were the oldest brothers, next oldest, stuff like this. I changed the name of other family members as well and locations and the Memorial High School is called Lincoln High nice. because old Abe of the bird is right. old Abe Lincoln so I can't call the Lincoln the sick out of the hospital was called uh, Riverside Hospital not the real name so you don't have any issue with that either but most of the stuff uh, I did have to up make sure that it was a story that it could be used as either as an autobiography thing, I would have to prove almost everything, and I couldn't do that. Okay. So I went my way, but then just changed the names, but kept the stories real. Very, very fascinating. Another thing you had mentioned that's kind of fun is when you recorded in the car, you had the radio playing, so yep. we can hear some of the um, old DJs and commercials. And Well, the one, the one out of the cross gets the most attention because there's an old radio station announcer on the, their local channel, on the, a, the FM side, and they haven't heard the guy in 20-some years. And they were surprised that I actually had the background with their radio station on it. Sure. It helped out a lot. Well, right now, in today's world, if Facebook gets, sees my video, it goes through it, it takes out copyrighted songs which they feel I don't have right to use. Oh, sure, that's... They censor them. Okay. But 
that happened in the last five or six years, not when I first started. Sure, yeah. But my videos are not made because of the audio track, they're made because of what you're looking at. We could sit and talk about Eau Claire history for hours. So anything you want to finish with? No, I think we covered a lot of it. Just that I'm still going to continue to make videos. I made some yesterday, a couple of them yesterday. I took pictures of the damaged uh, high bridge in Eau Claire, and that kind of does what I I'm in, into. I look at the past, the present, and the, what they do with the future. Well, speaking of the future, I mean, you have, it's like an archive of all this. Well, what's your goal? Will you, are you hoping someone purchases these, or are you going to try to donate them to the, well, the museum? Or? You'd like to sell stuff, but that wasn't an intention to begin with. Some people ask me, well, how come I didn't sell my videos for $5 a piece? I put them on public access because I wasn't that, in, money wasn't my goal. It was a sharing of the knowledge. It wasn't a dollar sign or a profit-making business. It was to keep the system in the world, or the video I see in the world today, and preserve it. Now, what do I do with my videos now? I don't know. I think I've contacted a, one employee from the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, and I have a contact through the Chippewa Valley Museum. But the more I can convert to digital, the more acceptance they are to keeping them. Well, as we finish here, uh, do you want to share the best way to reach you? Uh, you want to name your Facebook page, the, your well, books? Well, the, the best way to get a hold of me through Facebook is on, on the Our Old Town Eau Claire Facebook page or my, under my own name. The names of the books again? It's Living with the Evidence, Living with the Evidence 2. I appreciate speaking with you today and thanks for sharing the history with all of us. Okay. Thanks, Ray. Hey, welcome back. Hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. Did you? I did. I I did. And I love, again, if you haven't gone to his Facebook page, do it. Yeah. Great tons, videos. Tons of cool pictures. I have a little experience of driving around Eau Claire. Not like Roy did. I never recorded it, but when we were in high school. <laughs> Thank God, probably. <laughs> that, that is a good thing. But right. when we were in high school. For your mother's uh, sake. Yeah. <laughs> Well, she knows. She, knows. <laughs> she always knew, right? Well, and I always took the rap for everybody else around me. But, <laughs> and, and, but anyway, when we were in high school, we, we had a group of guys, and we called it Parker Patrol. Mm. So we would drive around Eau Claire and try and bust people who were parked and making out and enjoying themselves. But we'd always go through Carson <laughs> Park and... And half the time we'd run up under these cars with flashlights and they thought it was the cops. And then one guy got really angry with us. Fair enough. <laughs> so he started chasing us and we were driving through Carson Park and it was my buddy's parents' car. And I don't know what it, remember what it was, but it was about 40 feet long. It must have been a Lincoln <laughs> something. It was just the typical big boat. So this guy is chasing us through Carson Park and we're speeding around and I'm like, hey, go over there, it's a shortcut. You know, there wasn't a road, it was just grass. So my buddy turns and he goes and all of a sudden we come to a halting stop. And we actually drove through the horseshoe pits and he drove right up across one of those stakes where the horseshoe goes and it cut his gas tank right in half. And, <laughs> and we were stuck. Scary. Well, and then, and then I, you were stuck. You were stuck on the yeah. yeah. And then the guy, luckily, didn't beat us up. But I don't know why we did it. Probably because we had no one to park with, and we were mad. There you and go. Jealous. Right. There but, you go. Well, 
you were one up on me because I was one of six kids and on the lower end of those six kids so I never really got to do idle driving around <laughs> like I said I was mostly walking places well you lived in town yeah I did I lived in town that helped yeah, yeah. made the, the, the walk a little easier well hope you all enjoyed the podcast anything else Jane no just check out his his uh, Facebook page and join us again for Eau Claire's here you should be too yeah and before we head off we'd like to thank Ned Thank yes. you, Ned, for sponsoring this podcast again, and we appreciate that. And in real estate, all the people that we've worked with, if you're in the market to either buy or sell a home, Jane and I, we would love an opportunity to, to visit and work with you guys. So, Along with our pals, Rod and Dave. Yeah. yeah, right on. Good. Thank you so much, folks. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Eau Claire is Here. The best way to support this podcast is by subscribing, giving a five-star rating, and writing a review. Find out more at eauclairisier.com or find us on Facebook. Eau Claire is Here is brought to you by Ned Donlin, Donlin Real Estate.